Welcome back to Bike Talk with Dave. I'm your host, Dave Mabel, and I appreciate you tuning in to these conversations with incredible people doing incredible things. In our last episode, we heard how Costa Rican cyclist Felipe Nystrom dove deep into the depths of drugs and alcohol and depression so deep, so lonely, so painful, it took him right to the edge of suicide. Again, if you or someone you know is in crisis and having suicidal thoughts, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255, where you can talk to a skilled, trained counselor at a crisis center in your area anytime, 24-7, 365 days a year. If you are listening outside of the United States, please call your local emergency line right away. If there's one thing I've learned by listening to Felipe's story, it's that no matter how low you get, how hopeless it seems, there is still hope. And speaking of hope, today we get to hear his story about making it one day at a time through his rehab and onto a bike and eventually to the start line at the Cyclocross World Championships. That's enough for me. Let's get right to his story, Felipe Nystrom. So it was a long road for you to get there. Uh, Mm -hmm. October of 2012, you Mm -hmm. enter and choose to stay at a rehab facility. That's really a big decision right there is the choice Mm -hmm. to stay. You had two years in, uh, or a year and a half left in Costa Rica before you ended up in the States. So what was that road like? While I was there, and this is one of the scariest stats for me, and this is part of why I say, if I make it, you know, September. Um, I think in this, I was there three months inpatient, and then three months I graduated, and then three months uh, in their halfway house, where you could go out to work, but you, could, you had to sleep there every night. In that six-month period, there must have been about 100 people that came and went through that, uh, through, through the treatment center. They all went back out. Um, and I remember them telling me that the numbers, the statistics are just like dismal. Like 1% maybe of people actually recover. Wow. You know, or actually end up staying clean. Yeah. Everybody relapses at some point. Um, and so instead of thinking about how I'm never going to relapse, I just accept that I am going to relapse at some point, And therefore, I have to keep doing the work now so that that relapse doesn't happen now. Um, living then, the, it's living in the moment. Exactly. And so, you know, tomorrow I'll deal with tomorrow. Whatever happens tomorrow, I'll deal with that, you know, tomorrow. Um, but I think one of the, in all the meetings, like one of the only ways we could, when I was inpatient, the only time we could leave was to go to meetings. Um, so in that 90 days, they always say 90 and 90, you know, 90 meetings in 90 days. Mm-hmm. I think I did like 120 because <laughs> wow. it was the only way to get out. <laughs> sure. And somewhere along the line, stuff started sticking with me. Yeah. Um, I, but I, I do that's remember. their hope is something starts <laughs> clicking with you, right? Yeah. 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 And I think, uh, one of the one of the constants was always <clears throat> I stopped going to meetings. I started believing I was cured. 
uh, I thought I was never going to relapse again. And now I'm back here picking up a white token or a white chip for, you know, a 24-hour token. And I was like, okay, so don't start thinking that you're cured. <laughs> don't think that you're never going to do this again. And then just do what you need to do now in order to, you know, hopefully you'll avoid happen having it happen. Um, I think the numbers are, are the, the reality is that relapse happens. Um, and I've just been very fortunate that so far it hasn't. Um, scary, scary part of it, and I was actually just talking about this uh, the other day with uh, in one of the meetings that uh, you know, ten years is a big thing. It's it's a huge milestone. Yeah. And I, uh, uh, it's you know, if I make it, it, it it's great. It's great that I've made it so far to nine and a half years or whatever it is. Um, but I always you know sometimes the fear sometimes will come in where like, oh, shoot, will the relapse be just as bad? You know, like, will it, sometimes they say like, uh, you know, the more clean time you have, the worse the relapse is. Um, and so I don't want that, you know, right. I kind of I sometimes every once in a while, I, I, you know, I tell myself like, man, I should have just relapsed. Like, at three months, <laughs> and then got that it way, out of the way. System, get it out of the way. I I don't lose too much, and right. then I can rebuild. Uh, but for me to relapse at ten years or nine years, there's so much for me to lose that I don't know if I'd be able to make it back. I, I, so instead of worrying about that, just do the work now and worry about all that later. Oh, uh, wow. So to try to avoid it happening later. So. Now I was able to go to work because I'm at the halfway house. Um, when I was about two months in, in treatment, uh, one of the meetings, one of the AA meetings, this girl started showing up and she was so hot. She was beautiful. She has, she has, she had these beautiful eyes. Like oh, in, eyes. My, okay. in my mind, you know, my state of mind, where I was at then, I thought she was the most amazing woman I'd ever seen. And I told my buddies, I'm the druggy buggy. So they would uh, haul us in the, this van, like 15 passenger van from the treatment center to the meeting. And as soon as we got on the druggy buggy, the first time I saw her at the meeting, I said, yeah, she's going to be my girlfriend. Yeah, I'm going to make her mine. You'll see. You'll see. I got no job. I'm wearing clothes that are way too big for me that were donated to the treatment center. That's right. all I have. Uh, but I'm going to make this girl mine. <laughs> and so I, uh, uh, you know, I started talking to her. Um, and then, yeah, sure enough, she was one month sober. I was two months. So perfect combination. For sure. <laughs> and uh, people, everyone was like, no, don't do it. No, no. I was like, oh, no, 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 don't worry. I'm different. You know, we, right, right. I can make this work. Uh, and yeah, so anyway. When I was in the halfway house, um, it took a few months. When I was working, she was she was already working uh, because she wasn't actually in like inpatient. She was just coming to the meeting. But she's from Oregon, from here in Portland, and she had gone down to Costa Rica to kind of try to get away from everything here. Huh. Um, and uh, at the time, she had a two-year-old son, and uh, he was a bit of a handful. Um, 
and so we started our, our relationship. Um, I certainly wasn't any kind of good partner. Um, you know, six months into recovery after living on the streets for the last couple of years and like blowing out my brains for the last 10 years or whatever. Right. Um, I had no idea how to have, be in a relationship, you know, other than what I thought you did, much less be a father to this son of hers, right? Um, I couldn't even be a father to my own son, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but uh, I think looking back, she uh, maybe wanted to break up with me without having to break up with me. And she, you know, she kind of said, like, I, I think I want to go back to the States. I, uh, I, I need a little bit more support from my family with my son and, and this and that. And my dumbass brain was like, oh, no problem. I'll go with you. <laughs> And because my mom's from the states and her family's from the states, I was—I'm a dual citizen, so for me it's easy to 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 come back and back wow. and forth. And so, you know, that's how I decided. That's how it was decided I was going to come up to the states. So this would have been August of 2013. Very quickly, it didn't work out. <laughs> okay, I was going to ask. Yeah, very like within. Well, we came up. We were living in her mom's house she had like a basement apartment or bedroom and yeah very very quickly um uh you're right like i said I, I wasn't any kind of a good partner i definitely wasn't the partner she needed or wanted me to be right um she gave me a very well uh very well written and very detailed letter of all the things that i was failing at oh, wow <laughs> uh which was important because it, at first, obviously, I was like, oh, who she thinks she is when saying all these things. But it actually, instead of uh, getting bummed out, it was like, you know what? I'm going to work on these things, you know? Um, so it actually was a, a lesson in like spinning things around. You can see things in any light you want to. Mm -hmm. uh, and even the even something that you think is can teach you anything, can teach you something, right? Um, so it didn't work out. Uh, I was going to, uh, I didn't know if I, I didn't want to come back to Costa Rica. I didn't want to stay there. I thought I had failed. Everybody had told me, you know, don't do it. You do, in the first year of recovery, you don't make, you don't get into relationships. You don't make big moves. You don't, you know, you don't make major changes. And here I am. <laughs> getting into a relationship moving in with somebody and then right. moving to another country with that somebody <laughs> right 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 um and so uh i was i thought i was gonna i got a couple different jobs um in portland in here yeah here in portland you know i was working doing different things um i ended up working in restaurants i got a job at a call center at sprint uh sprint hmm. customer service uh Terrible service. <laughs> they had me answering phones, and I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> None of us did. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I was I was gonna go back, and I had everything ready. The ticket I had changed the ticket to the return to go back the next day. Um, bags were packed. Um, I didn't because I didn't have a place to live either because I was living in her mom's house, and you know I couldn't keep living there. Right. So. Uh, I had sent resumes to a lot of different places and uh, I just never heard, really heard back from any of them. Well, that night, the day before I was going to leave, 
And basically, I got a call from this interpreter agency, and they're like, "Hey, uh, we got your resume. Can you come in tomorrow for an interview?" And I said, "Well, you know, things didn't really work out. I think I'm just leaving, going back to Costa Rica." And they said, "Well, if you're here, um, if you're here, and you come tomorrow, the job's yours, basically. Um, and if not, good luck." And I said, "Okay, thank you." And then, like 15 minutes later, um, the so I have a sponsor. One of the first things I did do, which is probably the only thing I did right in that time, was um, I got hooked into AA. I got a sponsor um, and was still working the program. And uh, so I got a call from one of my sponsor brothers. He's like, hey, Felipe, you know, it's so-and-so. Um, I heard what's going on. Uh, I know you're in a bad place right now. I just finished the bedroom in my house. Uh, I was going to rent it out. If you want, you can just move in. We'll talk about money, you know, once you get a little bit more squared away. But you can move in whenever you want. I said, well, shoot. I have a place to live. I have a job, apparently. Uh, let's give this a go. And so, yeah, I moved in with him. Um, and then uh, started doing this interpreting job. Uh, the Oh, and something, something big happened. Something important, sorry, the, the day, like the day before I left Costa Rica, uh, I saw my son for the first time. Uh, I hadn't seen him in about two and a half, two, two years or so. Um, I think the last time I'd seen him, he was three and a half, almost four. And now he was almost six. Um, wow. And uh, it was basically to tell him I was leaving. So now, like, I'm showing up and immediately leaving. Um, it was what I thought. I didn't. I, one of the most scary moments in my my of my life was the day that I was going to leave the halfway house and go out into sure, the wilds. I'm sure, super scary. Like, I it's like walking off the edge of a cliff. I'm sure. Yeah, I wasn't going to make. Like, I knew I wasn't going to make it. I I just knew I wasn't going to. There's no way. I knew all the places. I knew all the people. There was just no way. So <clears throat> I think maybe in hindsight, I probably owe her an apology that not only was I a bad partner, um, maybe I, to a certain extent, maybe I just used the situation to to get out because other like there was otherwise maybe I wouldn't have gotten out. I don't know. Um, but for me, it was like a clean slate. And I remember I spent the afternoon with my son. And the last thing I told him when I went and dropped him off was, I am going to make this right. I don't know how, and I don't know how long it's going to take me, but I am going to be your father. I am going to take care of you. I'm going to make sure that you have everything you need. Um, and I don't know that he really understood what I was saying. Uh, you know, he was five, six years old. Uh, I think more it was something like me looking in his eyes so that telling myself, you need to do this, dude. Like you, you need to, you need to like be here now. You, you um, were making a commitment. Yeah, and you need to do it like now, like yesterday, like two years ago. So like, right. get it going. Um. So while I figured, so I, yeah, so I um, pretty much that like that night I moved into this other place. The next day I went to the to to work, um, to the interview. Sorry. And they're like, okay, it was like a Wednesday. And they're like, Monday, we'll call you, uh, start calling you for jobs uh, to give you, offer you jobs as an independent contractor. Hmm. 
And then that night, they actually called me and they said, someone called me in the after hours and like, hey, we need somebody at this hospital. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't even have a badge. And they were, they're supposed to be sending that to me. I wasn't supposed to start till Monday. And they're like, can you please go? We really need, to, we really need somebody. So I said, okay, yeah, if you're okay with it, I mean, I'll go. That's fine. And so I went, and it was to tell this young Guatemalan mother that her baby didn't make it. Oh. They, they, they don't really tell you what it's about. They just say, this place. You need an interpreter. Fine. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I didn't know what I was getting into. And so I went, and it was to tell this young Guatemalan mother that her baby hadn't made it, and explaining to her what had happened, and then dealing with, like, funeral services and all this. So it was like a a four hour thing at 11 o'clock at night, I started, got out like at two or three. And I remember leaving, feeling horrible for this lady. Like this like traumatic, like uh, life altering experience and feeling really bummed out about it. But then also realizing like, what would she have done if I hadn't been there? Then obviously they would have gotten another interpreter, but um but like if i hadn't been there like if she hadn't had somebody to be able to help her through this if she wouldn't been if she would have never known like right what happened and that was the moment that i had found the thing that i knew i was going to do for the rest of my life wow. that i was going to go to work but when they say fine do what you love and you'll never go to work a day in your life i can now say i haven't gone to work for the last nine years Oh, that's awesome. I've that's gotten, incredible. That's an incredible story. Yeah, I've gotten to had I've had the privilege of getting to do this amazing thing that some people call work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but in the beginning, I was so far behind on everything. I owed two years of child support. <laughs> and in Costa Rica, they're not they're they might be backwards of, of, with a lot of things, but child support. They put you in jail quick. Like it's it's due on the first, the, on the fifth. If it's not there, they check the account. They see it's not there. They're at your door. They're picking wow. you up. <laughs> um, and so I got permission. I kind of negotiated with his, with his mom and like, look, yeah, I've screwed up. This is the only way I'm going to catch up. This is the only way, you know. Um, so she gave me permission to, even though I'm a dual citizen, when you pay child support. Um, they put a freeze on your on your you can't leave the country oh. unless unless you pay uh 14 months in advance of child support or she gives you permission hmm. um and both were extremely difficult <laughs> but anyway i got i got the go ahead to come up and uh i had like I don't know, five or six jobs i did everything besides the interpreting i was at waiting tables cleaning garbage cans working lawns doing everything to try to save money, to try to send down, to, to, to make up for the money that I owed, and then also to get down there to start building this, rebuilding my relationship with my son. Um, and uh, so I did that, for, it took a couple of years. Um, it, the, the first time it took about a year for me to go down. Um, I think the first two years I was here, I only went down twice uh, because that's all I could afford. Um, but, then I started getting a little bit more stable, stable financially and just, just in general. Um, I took a year off thinking about relationships. Like, just didn't do anything with anybody. Like, no dating, no going out, no nothing. Um, 
to kind of clean my, uh, I don't know, just work on myself, right? Yep. Um, and then it was about 2015 now, 2015-ish, uh, where I thought, man, I got to start meeting people. Like, it's not healthy to just work. I was working, you know, 20-hour days or whatever it was. Right. Doing something or other. Um, and what I realized was I didn't, I had no idea how to, how to make friends, how to have conversations, how to talk to people. Because for the last 15 years or whatever it was, at a bar, it's easy. You just like, get drunk and go talk to somebody. <laughs> right, right. Your, uh, your, your friendship world was surrounded by drugs and alcohol. Yep. Like that. And, and those friendships only lasted as long as there was drugs and alcohol. So sure. That was gone. The friends were gone. Yep. Um, so like, how do normal people uh, make friends? Do you like go to the library and like, hey, uh, what's <laughs> or, like, That's an awkward park. moment. Yeah, like at the park, you walk down the park, you're like, yeah, that, this weather, huh? It's great, beautiful, huh? I don't know. Um, so I figured sports might be a way to do it. I know I'd done sports when I was a kid. And I liked sports. Maybe maybe that was a way to meet healthy people. So when I moved to Portland, I had no idea what I was getting into. I saw a couple of shows of Portlandia. That was my research. And if you've ever seen that show, it doesn't do it justice. It's actually worse than it, they make it seem in, in that show. Right. But I also didn't realize that it was like the drinking capital of the world. Like these people go crazy with their like 150 beers on tap. For sure. Craft beer so, Mecca. The, the 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 issue I was running into is that everything was let's meet for drinks let's meet for happy hour let's you know let's go out and I still didn't know how to navigate the not drinking and if I made other people uncomfortable uh -huh. you know, I didn't want to make other people uncomfortable and um so anyway sports let's try sports and uh I you know when I was a kid I one of my goals I said one of my dreams I thought I had was to do an Ironman. Uh, like yeah maybe I'll get into triathlon and so I found out about this triathlon about a couple of weeks before it was happening I found out how to rent a bike how to rent a wetsuit and I showed up and uh had no idea what I was doing didn't know what I was getting into they put us in the water they're like go and it's the amateur category right and so I, they say go I start swimming I immediately get super scared because there's all this splashing around me and like oh man I've Swimming around people is a whole nother ballgame. Then a slimy thing touched my foot, and that was the grossest thing in the world. And I lived on the streets. <laughs> and I was like, nope. <laughs> and the water was freezing cold. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, this sucks. But I got out, did the bike. Did you make it around the course? Yeah, yeah, I, I did it. I, I, okay, I, okay. I, I mowed through. Um, I'm over there trying to muster up the courage to try to go talk to somebody, someone because they had tents teams had tents in the clubs and I figured I should get information uh, but I was too shy to do it turns out they're going over this I'm trying to do this like I walk a little closer to the one tent walk away walk a little closer and while this is happening uh this the the award ceremony is happening and then I hear my name called out I'm like oh I must have lost something or something it must be lost and found and so I walk over and they're like, oh, you Felipe Nystrom? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, what, what happened? And they're like, oh, here. And they give me my little trophy <laughs> and medal. <laughs> and they're like, what's this? And I said, what's this for? And they're like, well, you won the, you won, you won your, you, you won the race. Like, no, no, 
but yeah, apparently I won. You must have had a better bike and uh, run split than you did the swim. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. It was definitely well. Afterwards, I found out yeah, it was the bike. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that makes sense. The 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 run not so much. The swim definitely not. I think it was the last out of the water. Um, so now I'm like, oh, maybe maybe I can do this. And but by this time, um, I was still too shy to go talk to anybody. So I thought I said I'll go. I'll do another one. And if that one goes well, maybe I'll talk to somebody. So a couple months later, another one in October. <clears throat> I found out about it, but now it was like fall and nearing the end of the season. Same thing, found out about it a couple of weeks before, went to the same place to rent the wetsuit, went to the same place to rent the bicycle, and I showed up. But this time, I had a plan. In the water, when they said go, I just stood there. Smart. <laughs> I was, everybody lets them go. Let ahead. the chaos leave. You go do what you gotta do. I'm gonna stand right here. Yep. And then when I thought they had a pretty good distance, I waited around a minute or two, whatever it was. And uh, then I started swimming. Uh, well, I guess I, I caught up to somebody, the next to last person, and I swam into their feet and they kicked off my goggles. And now I've swallowed a bunch of water and now I'm drowning. I think I'm going to die. I'm trying to, hey, I'm doing this, over, trying to come up for air. And the guy with the paddleboard, he was paddling next to me and I'm thinking why is this guy not jumping in to save me I'm drowning you know and uh I honestly think I'm gonna die uh I didn't have any more energy I'm gonna come up for water for air one more time and hope that this guy realizes he needs to save me and so I come up and I had seen him bending over for some reason and trying to talk to me I'm like, why is this guy trying what's he talking to me so I'm up out of the water just enough, long enough to hear him say, stand up. And uh, I like, tried to put my feet under me. And sure enough, I stood up. The water was waist high. <laughs> <laughs> and That's <now> awesome. <laughs> I'm embarrassed and pissed off at this guy. <laughs> and I That's don't awesome. Well, if he would have saved you, you would have been disqualified. So he saved you. So he said, uh, well, what do you want to do? You're exactly at the halfway point. I can take you back, but you're out. Or you can swim back. And I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. And so I just got on my back and started kicking my way back to the, you know, to the transition area to pick up my stuff. Because I was done with triathlon. I was never going to do one again. And while I'm at the transition area, people were like, they started seeing I was packing up my stuff and they're like no don't give up keep going you can do it and they're like no 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 like you don't know i almost died over there that water like like i swallowed half that late i'm probably gonna have cholera now like <laughs> and uh like, no no you just gotta keep going come on it happens to everybody i'm like fine 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 and so i like got on the bike and just went i didn't have a bike computer i didn't have like like I, I had a helmet and and uh, uh, some used biking shoes, right? That was like my my gear, um, and I just started pedaling. Um, I got to the run, finished the race, and I'm over here trying to find a burrito because I just had a near death experience and I need a burrito because now I'm hungry. <laughs> and uh, so I'm eating my burrito over there, just hanging out, uh, really tired. 
thinking about the six hour or four hour drive, whatever it was, I think it was a five hour drive back home. Um, and they're doing award ceremonies and then they're like, this guy and this guy, and then today's winner, Felipe Nicer. <laughs> I'm like, what? No, 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 you, you got it wrong. You did something wrong. I must have missed the lap on the run. <laughs> uh, and uh, it turns out my bike time was, I think, like the second fastest of, of the entire race. This was still the amateur category. Yeah, yeah. But I caught everybody on the bike because I certainly didn't catch anybody on the run. <laughs> right. Um, and so I was like, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe if I learn how to swim, maybe I can do triathlons. And so now the season was over. I called this one club and they said, um, uh, well, the season's over. Nothing's really happening now. We'll call you next year in January um, when things start picking up again. And we'll actually start with the swimming. So now this was January. It was one of my first winters here. Uh, there was a really bad snow snowstorm. It was freaking cold. So whoever told me that winters were mild here, I was pissed off at because they lied. <laughs> um, and so they contacted me to tell me that swimming was going to start. And I, I told them I was worried about that. It was just too cold. And they're like, oh, don't worry. It's a gym. The pool is heated. You'll be fine. You'll love it. I'm like, okay. And I showed up, jumped in, jumped out, never went back. Really? Nope. It is way too cold for this. There's no <laughs> way I'm doing this. Absolutely not. All nope, right. Nope, nope. nope. Uh, but through those same people, there was the indoor cycling coach and indoor cycling class. And this guy, Sean Bosted, he was awesome. Uh, Puerto, from Puerto Rico. Um, super cool guy. And I, you know, I told him about my, my fears. And he's like, well, why don't you just bike? You know, just do the cycling. You seem to like that. And I'm like, uh, well, I don't know. How does it work? And he was the one that explained, you know, you start as a cat five. And then depending on how you do, you move up. and it doesn't matter. I'm like, well, am I the right age? Because I was like 35 at the time, 34, 35. Um, uh, 34, 34. And so uh, I was going to, so I didn't know how, how to, like, how to do it. So he said, look, we have a month and a half. The first race is cherry pie. It's in March. Um, I'll train you and you can show up. You'll be fine. And so sure enough, yeah, he helped coach me <clears throat> or train me. Uh, and then I showed up to this, to this race. Such a cat five race. Like, it was like, I was wearing like no, I was doing the triathlon thing with my socks. So no socks, right? <laughs> uh, the, there was this one guy. He was off the front the entire race. We could never bring him back. We thought he was going to win. We thought we were sprinting for second. Um, so when we came into the sprint, I had no idea what a sprint was. I just thought people speeding up. And so I was like, oh, wait, you're going faster. I'm going to go faster. Had a 13 year old on, my, on this side, a 12 year old on this side trying to beat me. I'm like, there's no way these kids are going to beat me. And I'm like, Rrr. um, after the race started, they had moved the finish line back, further back. The two kids had me, but they stopped pedaling. When, when, the when finish line? The finish line was, <laughs> I had no idea where the finish line was, so I just kept pedaling and uh, only stopped when I saw I was hitting a red light <laughs> and, and didn't see anything more race related 
So I'm like, oh, it must have been back there. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, and uh, it turns out uh, I didn't even stay for I didn't even stay for the for the award ceremony. It was actually uh, after the race. These two guys saw me, and they um, they're like, "Hey, you should come ride on our club." Um, and so that's how I got on my first cycling club, the Athletes Lounge. Um, like a couple of weeks later, I got a cherry pie in the mail and a check because I had won. No way. And I t- apparently, the, the, the guy that was off the front, he missed his start. So he was actually trying to catch up to. Oh, he was not in your race. <laughs> that's so awesome. just the whole thing was like, the, the, I think it's a hilarious, it's a hilarious win. Like the, the two kids. Right, there's right. Picture, there's this picture of me just like, and uh, in the background, one of the kids like, oh, realizing he had stopped pedaling and he had it. <laughs> it's like a scene out of out of uh, Breaking Away or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious. Um, so that's how I started training, riding with these guys, and uh, as an addict. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it, right? So right, we're going to race, right. we're going to race. So that first season, I think I had like 110 races, uh, something Jeez. like that. Uh, because out here, you can pretty much race when the season's going. Before COVID, it was like Monday to Monday through Sunday you could do. Huh, wow. um, I did uh, you know, a bunch of circuit races at this um, at Portland International Raceway. It's a car, race car track. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they, that was where I learned how to sprint. That's how I learned how to, where I learned how to race, pack dynamics, breaking away, this and that. And I think I raced so much that I just happened to get enough points where in my first season, I made it from a five to a one. Jeez, in one season? <laughs> you race 110 races. Well, all right. Well, you also have to have results. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, they yeah. don't just hand them out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, did, I did pretty good. Um, I was the, the, like the cat four state champion. Uh, I w- did my first stage race, Baker city cycling classic. And these two guys that had invited me onto the team and myself swept the podium, won everything we did. Wow. Yeah, was, um, uh, people weren't happy. They were like, dude, you need to cat up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I've only been doing this for like two months. And like, we don't care. Cat up. <laughs> My first real team, uh, Therapeutics Associates at the time, which is where I finished getting my my Cat One upgrade. And uh, but all along the cycling was I only started it to do cyclocross because that club that I got in with that Athletes Lounge that's what they did. They did triathlons and cyclocross and road. Oh. It was just like training. Huh. And everybody went on and on and on about cyclocross, how great it was, how much fun it is. It's going to be great. Blah, blah, blah. I went to my first race. I absolutely hated it. <laughs> I'm like, why are we getting off our bikes? What are these things in the way? Like, why do I have to, why are you making me get off of my bike? Why are we out here tooling around in spandex in this freezing weather with the cold and the rain? And like, I got the asthma and I, and now I got a cough. And, so uh my second race i broke my ankle coming into the barriers and like this is stupid i'm not gonna do this this is the worst thing in the world how does anybody think this is fun um so that was the end of that season 
And then I decided I was going to, in my mind, I'm telling myself I'm a sprinter. I'm a sprinter. So that's kind of what I started focusing on um, for like 2016, 2017. Um, and then 2018, uh, I wanted to do, again, going back to like, how can I show in during all this time I was rebuilding, I rebuilt the relationship with my son. Um, now I'd been able to go down even two and three times a year. And, uh, uh, we, you know, we were talking every day. I got him a PlayStation because when I called on the phone, it was kind of weird. He didn't really want to talk or he was young. I got him a PlayStation. I got myself one. And now oh, so you guys can, could, we can online play. And that's awesome. And now I can't shut him up. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, that was genius. Yeah, it was like uh, it's just an amazing tool for us to rebuild our relationship. Right. And so um, now, now as a father, like, how can I teach him at a distance? You know, how can I hope? How can I help him avoid making the same mistakes I did? You know, all of that stuff. And so I, uh, one of the lessons that I wanted to teach him was precisely that it didn't really matter how far down you were that you could always always try to stand up it didn't matter how many times you fell you just needed to get up one more time it didn't matter if you fell five times or a hundred times you just needed to get up six times or 101 times um but how could i like actually show him that that you can do it and so in 2018 i figured well the Viking is doing well. I'll go do the national championship. Why not? Let's go do it. In Costa Rica. Um, yeah, in Costa Rica. And so about a month or so before that, a month and a half before that, maybe it was a couple of months before that race, the national championship, I got a coach. First time I got a coach. We, up until then, I was just doing whatever. Going. No. Yep. Training was, uh, racing was training. <laughs> um, and so I, um, I got a coach and we were working towards doing it in 2018, June of 2018. And about a couple of months before the race, uh, coming into Cherry Pie finish, uh, I, I had probably what was my worst crash. Uh, rub, you know, rubbing is racing. Sometimes rubbing is a little, the rubbing is a little too much and um, uh, crashed out, scraped up the entire left side of my body. It was a big crash. Like, Maybe 10, 15 people went down. One guy broke ribs, hit. Like it was collarbone. It was bad. Um, I still had time to heal and, uh, and still make it to the national championship. Uh, but about three weeks before it, I decided to be a good idea to go play soccer. <laughs> and I uh, broke my ankle. <laughs> and so that was the end of the 2018. But it made me realize how much I wanted to do this, start it. I wasn't thinking about results. I just wanted to start it. Yeah. And tell, show my son that, you know, I started a national championship and then he can do whatever his national championship is, whether it's art or music or sports or school, it didn't matter that, that he could do it or he could go for it. And so now I needed to figure out how to prepare through the winter months for 2019 and so cyclocross got revisited and i'd done a few races here and there but it was always like towards the end of the season um 
I would just, I wasn't training. I was done, you know, by October, November. I, the one time a week I was riding the bike was to do the cyclocross race. Right. <laughs> uh, so this, this is time, in fall of 2019? This was in 2018. 2018, uh, okay. Fall, fall of 2018. Okay. Um, or I guess 2017. It was fall of 2017 where I was just like showing up to race the cyclocross race and that's okay. it like no training for it no no right not worrying about it it was just something to go do yep um but in 20 now in 2018 um uh, it was really hard for me to stay motivated to go train outside in in the cold it just rains so much here it's just um so i started so it became part of my training i would go ride four or five hours and then show up to the cyclocross race and finish with the hour-long hard effort. Oh wow! Um, to stimulate, you know, these like you know, 150, right. 75 kilometer race. Um, and so I started training that way. Um, did that cyclocross season in 2018, the complete season local around here. Um, and then in 2019, just continued the preparation to go do the national championship. And the plan really, obviously, you, you always train because, like, you know, because you, you want to do as good as you can. But really, for the plan was, I called my best friend and I said, hey, man, I'm going to go do this national championship. Why don't you go bring your wife and kids? I'll take my son. It's out on the Atlantic coast. Um, we'll spend the weekend there. I just need you to drive behind this race. And when I pull out, just pick me up and we'll go back to the beach and, you know, we'll spend the weekend. That was the race plan. Because realistically, by myself, with no support, um, you know, nothing. Just it, you're going. You and a couple of water bottles. Yeah, just what I had in my pocket. Yep. Um, against the best teams in Costa Rica, the biggest teams in Costa Rica. You know, they there's there's, there's no reason to think that I was going to win it. Realistically, you know, myself, I'm very like, yeah, I'm going to do the best that I can, and whatever happens, happens. Um, and I prepared and I trained and you know. So it was super hot. Actually, they changed the start time from nine o'clock to eight o'clock, but I wasn't on the on the communications. <laughs> they didn't even know I was going to show up. Like they knew I had signed up, but they didn't. They had no idea who Felipe was. <laughs> right. Um, I showed up at seven fifty-two, picking up my number. I had just eaten a breakfast at like seven fifteen because <laughs> we thought it started at nine. Right. And uh, they're like, "You better hurry because it starts in like five minutes." I'm like, "Oh, like you go run, get my kid on my pin num My numbers are all jacked up. They're like all crooked, just like uh, the word like total total cat five, right? <laughs> right. And uh, we start. I did know that the best way, my best chance was to separate, isolate the teams. If I could force a break with two or three guys from the bigger teams, it was enough that they'd be wanting to work and they and the what guys behind wouldn't shake. Yeah. That was like what I and so that first hour I just attacked and countered. And if somebody went, I went with them, then I would work with them. Like, Come on, let's go, I'll work with you, you know. Um that first hour, I think we raced at like almost 50k an hour. Jeez. It was like it was fast. It was like 48, 49, 50. Um, and, uh, it just wasn't happening. And then I was like, oh, I don't know if I have any more left. And, uh, so I was going to, uh, do one more dig, one more attack. And then if it didn't happen, it didn't happen. And, uh, I went 
couple guys caught up, then three more, then a couple more, then five more. And then we had a group of about 20, 25. And I was about to drop off because I was tired. Uh, and this guy came by, a friend from childhood, and he's like, come on, Felipe, this is the one, this is the one, let's go. Like, okay. And I got back on, and that ended up being the winning break. Um, there was mostly flat, one climb. Uh, I got dropped on the climb. My stomach started hurting. I thought I was going to throw up. The, the breakfast was getting to me. Um, and I was about to give up when I crested, and I was like, no, you didn't come here to give up. You got to give it one more try. And I bombed down the descent uh, and caught back on when it flattened out again. And it was an out and back. So caught back on before the return, did the return. And then it was that climb again. I got dropped again. And same thing, I was going to drop out. I was like, um, I'm out of water. I'm tired. I, I can't do this. And I crested and I could still see them, you know, 20, 30 seconds, I could see them. Like, come on, just do it. Just like, you can do it. You can catch on. If you, if you catch back on and then drop out, at least you caught on, right? So I bummed down the other side, caught back on. But by the time I caught back on, there were three guys off the front. And two of them were the two biggest represented teams in that, of what was left. Now we were down to maybe about 20. And so I thought, shit, well, here we go. We're going to just throw everything we have at this. And so I went straight to the front and started pulling, did the elbow, looked back, three of the guys of the, of, the, of the team that was expected to win on my wheel, they're like, nope. So get back on it, start drilling it for another, you know, kilometer or so, do the elbow, look back, it's still them. <laughs> I'm like, damn it. Um, I did two more pulls, and then finally I was like, "Well, I can only do this one more time." And they were they were right there. I was keeping them there. That you know, I could we could still see them. So I said, "All right, one last pull." Put it, dug in, pulled for another kilometer. Looked back, still them saying no. Well, I guess this is it. And just as I was pulling off, another guy from another team. Uh, came up and said, come on, I'll work, I'll, 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 I'll work with you. I was like, yeah. So then I got back on him. And in between the two of us, we brought it back. Wow. And then from there, I was like, now I'm just going to hang on until he was like, how, how long I can stay. And at about 30K, I started getting, I started cramping, you know, no water, no nothing. At 25K, well, actually, it must have been, I thought it was, okay, so it was about 40K. I thought it was 40K to go, um, you know, 35. Now it's really hurting, 30 to go. It's really hurting, 25, 20. I'm like, I don't know how much I can do this. And I got to the point where I thought we had 5K to go. And like, my, according to the distance, my Garmin, we had 5K to go. And I look out and I'm, I start to drop back. I'm like, I did the best I could. I'm happy with what I did. I'm proud of this. I can look at my son in the eyes and be like, I, I did this. I, I gave it everything I Erased had. it. I raced like I'd never raced before. And I started dropping back. And as I'm dropping back, now we're down to about 15, maybe 10, 15 riders. I happen to look up and in the distance, I see the finishing arc. Oh, wow. Holy shit. 
that's the end. And this is like a, a flat straight. It's like the one thing I can do is sprint. I can't do anything else, but I can do this. <laughs> and, but now I was out of position. And I got, yeah, there's no way I'm dropping out now. Uh, but it was a left to, left to, yeah, left to right uh, cross headwind. And I was at the back of this group of about 15. And we got to a K to go. And I'm like, I, I got to move up. But if I move up, I'm going to burn all my matches. I'm already dead. My leg hurts. Like, uh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? 800, 700. And then this guy that was also by himself, he decided to go. And I'm like, well, this is it. I mean, it's either he, now or never. I'm not going to like be able to uh, get um, uh, keep up with these trains that are forming, you know, because they all had like two, three, four riders. Um, and so I got on his wheel. He jumped all the way to the other side of the road, got on his wheel. I'm like, oh man, if he could drop me off at 200, woo, that would be great. <laughs> you know, that would be perfect. Uh, 500, 400, he starts losing gas. I'm like, no, no, don't lose him now. And then the, the group had started chasing. They started opening up their lead outs and they were about to close me in. And I was never, I don't know, it was just like instinct or like, I just was, I looked over and yelled at the guy that was next, that was coming to close me in. I'm like, oh! <laughs> and uh, I must, it was about 3.50 to go. And like, it's now or never. Started going, opened up my sprint, went to the, like, put the yellow lines between my wheels, uh, or put my wheels between the yellow lines so I could, like, yeah. And then just went, uh, looked over, there was a, cross the line, looked over there was a guy right there oh man second place that's what's up like yeah second place in the national championship this is awesome i can't believe i did that this is amazing and uh you know we come back around and then all these cameras start coming over philippe and Harry philippe and i summer here with the new national champion you just won the national champion who is philippe nystrom and like no, 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 no. Hang on, hang on. No, no, the other guy. <laughs> that other dude. That guy yeah. got, he won. And uh, they're like, no, 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 no. You won. Like, you won. You're the new national, you're the 2019 national champion. Who is Felipe Nystrom? Nobody. I just, like, I got my friend over there. I was going to beat. <laughs> we were, you know, I was like. I he was supposed to take home. me home when I dropped out. <laughs> uh, where is my friend? I I really like to go to the beach. I'm tired. My leg hurts. I think you got the wrong guy. And um, that was the moment where I realized, um, you know, someone told me somehow years ago, somehow at some point I was going to be able to repay what people had done for me in a certain uh, and when I thought that I didn't know how I was going to be able to do it, that was the moment where I was gifted the opportunity to put my story out there in hopes that somebody that needed to hear it would hear it. It wasn't about getting people to know who I was. It wasn't about uh, like getting interviews or, or, or being on TV or radio or whatever it was. It was like, hey, 
you know, when I was on the street, there was no way I wasn't watching TV. You know, uh, I would uh, stay warm with newspaper. And I remember I would look at the sports section and see like these, this guy did this or the national team did the soccer team and this and that. And I was so far down. There was no way I could see a way back to even having a normal life of like getting a job, having a place to live, having a bed, let alone being alive. Yeah. Let alone going back to like the dreams of like, yeah, I'm going to be a astronaut. I'm going to be a, Know, whatever superstar of this or um there was no way there was no way and certainly i didn't know of anybody that had done it um and so i just kind of talked a little bit about my what 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 how i got there they wanted to know how you where'd you come from i don't know uh the street I brought, my bike. I brought my bike i thought i found out about this race and i wanted to race it so tell my son show my son that he can do whatever he wants. And the coolest thing, it wasn't the jersey, obviously. I mean, the jersey was when, when they started zipping up the jersey at the trophy presentation. I was just like amazing on a personal level. But the real prize, the real, and there's someone took a video of it, and I'm so thankful they did because now I get reminded of it every year on Facebook. Um, was getting back to the hotel. I couldn't wait to get back to the hotel. Um, uh, to see my son, and he had been watched following the race on on Facebook Live, and uh, as soon as he heard me pull up, he ran out and just jumped in my arms, and we got to do we got the biggest hug, and it, that was the biggest prize I could have gotten. That's uh, incredible. Feeling like uh, I'd finally done something. And and to other people, it can be like it's just a, it's just a race, right? It's, it can be insignificant, but that was the first time I think that I actually felt that for once uh, I had made him proud. Is it, uh, like I had done something that he could go and tell his, tell his uh, his friends at school. <laughs> yeah, like my dad, you know, he did this, you know. Because before, I don't know, like, you know, I had already, like I said, we'd already rebuilt our relationship um, and we had a great relationship, but there was always that, like, my own fear, like, I'm not good enough, you know, right. am I doing enough? And so that hug for me was the, 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 the prize, you know, and I wonder, I think it would have been the same if I had lost, if I had pulled out, if I had gotten second. I think he would have been just as proud of you. He would have just, been, I think. Um, and more importantly, it showed him that you know, he can do whatever he wants. He saw somebody come back from where he had come from and go up against all odds and still come out winning. And it, that's not always going to happen. I've lost way more races <laughs> than I for will sure. ever win. For sure. I could win every single race from here on out that I have left and still have lost more races than I will ever win. <laughs> uh, all of us. I mean, we all live that life, right? But I think that the, the only time that you actually lose a race is if you don't learn something. You either win or you learn. And if you don't learn something, then that's a real loss. Um, and so mm -hmm. using that mentality or, uh, with my son uh, is my way of, I guess, supporting him to follow whatever dreams he has, whatever they are, whatever he wants to do. 
Uh, honestly, all of us, like uh, your, your story is a lesson for all of us to not give up and know that no matter how deep, how much you're drowning, <laughs> sometimes you just stand up, but sometimes you have to be woken up and given a hug by somebody, but you yeah. make the decision to, to not go back and to keep moving forward. Yeah, that's incredible. That's an incredible story. Yeah, and I think that, and that's that was the moment where I realized uh, with that first interview, like, oh, maybe I can reach more people this way. Like, not more people, because it's not about the amount of people. The right person. I just the one the person one. who needs to hear it. That's the one I'm looking for, and so the more it's out there, the higher the probability that a person will hear it. Um, yeah. And almost immediately, I started getting messages of like, dude, I'm going through this. I'm going through this divorce. I'm, you know, this other thing, this, that. I just lost somebody. I just lost my partner. Um, and people that have been thinking about suicide uh, reaching out. Like, How did you come back? And I'm like, honestly, I don't know. Like, I was lucky. And, uh, I, I can't say that I will never think about suicide again. Um, it's the same thing with the drugs and the alcohol. I just don't have to think about it now. I don't have to do it now. Right. Uh, right. I live in the moment. Like about tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so since then, from after winning the national championship, I'm like, whoa, what else can I do? How can I? It, for me, it's about uh, on a personal level is. How can I push more? How can I get more out of myself? How can I, where's my limit, right? Mm -hmm. I started racing locally, then I started racing in Washington, which is a higher quality. Then I went down to California and started doing well there uh, against much higher quality. Um, and uh, so I'm like, what else, what else? And so then came the, the national team. I want to wear my country's colors. I want to represent my country's colors. My, wear their jersey in a big race. Uh, I very quickly, unfortunately, found out that Costa Rica has a very, the, the, the reality is that there's a very big doping problem. Mm. And until somebody faces it head on and does something about it, it's just going to keep, we're just sh shooting ourselves in the foot. And because of my being, my history, I didn't get into cycling, get out of that, you know, what I did before just to get into another. Like, For sure. Uh, Absolutely not. And so. That's an easy choice right there. Yeah. So <laughs> I started, so now, but now there was the political uh, butting heads, you know, it, where I'm not getting a call to the national team. Even during the pandemic, I was, I, for the last three years, I've been the Costa Rican cyclist with the most wins and the only one that has won on the road, criteriums, mountain bike, and track, hmm. and cyclocross. Uh, and I still wasn't getting a call uh, for the national team. Huh. Mostly because of the whole, in 2019, I got to start a tour of Costa Rica, that dream of being one of those. Right, yeah, right. But I told them, I said, look, man, I'll race with you. But if I see anything, I see anything, I leave. I don't care if we're winning stages. I don't care if we're leading the race. We can have the yellow jersey. If I see something, I will walk away. 
And uh, sure enough, in, uh, on page five, um, I was looking for my backpack and I asked where it was. Someone said it's on the team bus. I went to, and I had noticed that the teammates were disappearing for two or three hours every day. They said it was for massages. I'm like, okay, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Went to the team bus, four of them with IVs. Wow. And I, I can't say what it was. I don't know what was in them, but just the fact that they were IVs, that's still prohibited, right? It's the method. Not just the what it is, it's the method. So then th that next stage, stage six, was one was the one that I had circled as one of the ones that I, I could do well at. And I didn't want to leave like on a I didn't want them to take away. I wanted to do the right thing, but I also didn't want to let them take something away from me. Oh, um, fair. I, so fair. I didn't walk away on stage five like I thought I would. I went did stage six and uh from kilometer zero, I just started attacking, started attacking. Uh, of course, it wanted to be in the break, uh, brought back, attacked, brought back, but you know, uh, then the break went and I actually got, <laughs> I had just been brought back when the actual break, when the break finally went, I'm like, <laughs> uh, and That's I asked right, them, right? I went to my teammates and I was like, hey, I need to get up there. Can you please take me? And they're like, nope. And I went to the other one, hey, can you please take me? And like, nope. And they all said no. And then finally somebody else jumped and I jumped on that wheel and then we just worked and we went and we made it. There was a last little climb coming into the finish. Uh, I attacked, uh, was going solo and then got caught like 300 from the line. Went from first to 40th. Yeah. Crossed the line, proud as could be of my effort. I gave it everything I had. And that's like the thing about cycling that has taught me is whatever I'm going to do, do it. Like, don't just half-ass it, just do it. And then it doesn't matter if you win or lose or learn, um, you won't regret or you won't say, I should have tried harder. Like, just try as hard as you can. Uh, crossed the line, went to the team director, said, thank you, I'm out. I told you guys, we don't need to make a big deal out of it. I don't need to tell why I'm leaving. You know why I'm leaving. And I'm out and then went to the, I did start crying, went to the UCI guy and the chief commissaire and everybody and was like, hey, I don't want to get into why, but it's, it, I, it will not be right if I continue this race. Uh, I have to stay true to myself and what I'm trying to represent and do. And I hope you can understand and thank you for everything, but I'm out. And so that caused immediately a split where there's, the fan base that swears that doping is the way you race in that's just the way you do it. And the fan base that absolutely hates it and absolutely loves me. And the other guys absolutely hate me. There's no, if you ask about Felipe Neisham in Costa Rica, it's he's the most amazing, coolest guy ever, or we hate that guy. <laughs> huh, that's interesting. There's no, there's no like in there's no like, eh, yeah, oh yeah, he's cool. No. <laughs> um and so that was when I thought, okay, this is what, what I can do for cycling in Costa Rica is I can show that there's a different way of racing and that you don't have to do that. You don't, there's a small group of people that have a lot of power that think that that's the way you race and I'm taking them head on. Wow. What that caused was threats. I've been threatened. You know, uh, I've said, I've, I've been told that if I go to Costa Rica, they're going to, I'm going to get beat up. I'm going to get thrown off my bike if I ever race there again. 
uh, like all sorts of stuff. Uh, and I'm waiting for racing to come back to go race. Uh, but now with the national team situation, now I know I'm not going to get called probably, <clears throat> at least with that coach. Right, and so for sure. How do, I, how do I wear my country's colors? So last year, uh, a little over a year ago, I found out that the Cyclocross World Championships were going to be in, in Fayetteville. And I'm like, well, I don't even know a person in Costa Rica that has a cyclocross bike. They can't, they can't fight me on this. They, they, so I started getting in touch with them, started figuring out how it works, what you have to do, the whole thing. And uh, e was emailing, messaging, calling for a year. Oh, no, no, sorry, for about six months. Um, made a little bit of headway where they were starting to consider letting me, letting me participate in the World Cup races because I found out about the three World Cup races in, in yeah. the U.S. And, they, uh, and then there was a new election, new federation, new president, new everything, new governing body came in. Uh, earlier last, or well, beginning of last year, February or March or so. So now I had to restart. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and I nagged and nagged. In April, I went to do the U.S. Cup mountain bike races because I wanted, again, I still didn't have permission. I didn't know it was going to happen, but I was going to start planning for it. Right. While I was there, I bought my ticket for, for World. Oh. I reserved my hotel and I reserved my car because I, found out that cars were hard to come by and uh, hotels were going to be more expensive. So back in April, I reserved everything for this last, for, you know, for, for, for world. Yeah. Um, came back to, uh, I, uh, along with, along the way, I helped three guys from Costa Rica come race mountain bikers, come race those races. Oh, cool. Um, uh, so that was really cool. I was able to help them do that and still kept nagging the Federation until finally on a Saturday morning, I called the president for like the millionth time and he was like what <laughs> and i'm like dude look here's just the say deal. yes just like just let me do this nobody no nobody races this nobody cares let me do it i will pay for it if you want to help me that's great but i'm not asking you to oh and then our previous i did the usa crit races the tulsa tough uh-huh um, and then linked that to a trip to costa rica so in june uh, after Tulsa Tough, I went to Costa Rica, and while I was there, I bought two kits of the national two national team kits, um, so that when I finally got in touch with the president, I was able to say, "Look, I have the kits. I already bought them. I have the reservations. They're already made. The tickets bought. Let me go to these races. They give me. I just need you to say yes, and I will take care of. I will figure out how to do it." And he was like, "You know what?" Yeah, let's do it. Go, go ahead, do it. You pay for it, you do it. And so I couldn't believe it. Like I started running around the house. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and that's how I uh, got permission to go to the World Cup races. He actually, I got to meet him. Uh, I knew of him, and of course, he knew of me being the national champion. Um, I don't want to say I can't say this officially. But they kept postponing them every time I, so I would always wait. They, they kept planning the national championship last year. And then I'd wait till the last moment to register. And then I'd register. And then the next day they would say, oh, we're moving it to another day. And I kept telling them like, hey guys, it's really hard for me to plan to 
first to train and be ready for it, but then also the trip, you know, it's not like I'm around the corner. Right. They kept moving it. They kept moving it. They moved it like three or four times. And, uh, and then finally, when I said, okay, yeah, so I'm going to be at the world cup races. They made, they held the national championship when I was at the world cup races. And so I talked to my coach and he was like, yeah, you know, they, again, there's the half that loves me. And For the sure. Half not. There's very powerful people and the half that not. And there was a lot of people pissed off that a guy by himself with no support and no sponsors beat them. And so there was a lot of money lost and they, they couldn't risk that again. And so they just had to have a national champion from one of those teams. Huh. <laughs> and when I talked with my coach, I was like, dude, I'm doing these other races. Honestly, let's just focus on this. And he was like, yeah, I think that's the best thing. And then we'll worry about national championship the following year. So, hmm. uh, so I went to the, I think it was during Trek Cup in Waterloo. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the same weekend they had it. Uh, or maybe it was Iowa. It might have been Iowa. Because, yeah, because the president was at Trek Cup. Um, oh, and it wouldn't have been if. Yeah, yeah. So the Costa, so Costa Rican Federation president, he was at Trek Cup. That's when I met him. Yeah. And then I was able to tell him more about what I had planned. Doing these races, it was uh, Waterloo, Iowa, uh, Fayetteville, Iowa City, and then three more World Cup races in Europe. And at the time, I just didn't know which ones. I'm really bummed that I thought I was getting a lot of racing the week I went with Ruckfen, Namur, and Dendermond. I did not know <laughs> that the that following week was like the holy week of cyclocross oh sure right 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 could have gone one week later and gotten five races in yeah yeah so that was a little bit of a bummer um but anyway i figured out i've got you know how to get out to europe and christelle riel from the uci has been absolutely amazing and instrumental in me being able to do this she basically took me by the hand. It was like, this is where you need to be. This is the time you need to be there. This is where you need to go. This is where you need to talk to. Like everything. Because I'm doing this by myself. Never having done cyclocross for real. If, if right, right. Like, yeah. Well, this is, I'd call this for real. How like, like rider check-in and rider sign-in and, and packet pickup and number pickup and, 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 and uh, managers meetings and this and that. I'm like, it's just me. Like, I'm just, I pin a number on and I show up. How, how many bracelets do you need? And I'm like, I just need mine. Who's going to be in the pit? Nobody. <laughs> you know? I'm making this easy for you. you we don't got to worry about all that. So, yeah, they were all super nice. Um, the pros <clears throat> uh, were so nice. So, that's one thing I will say. Um, you, the local races. Like I'll get yelled at by cat by fifty plus cat fives that I'm in their way. You know? <laughs> like, like that, they, they're serious. They 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 they're serious. And so I was so scared that I was gonna get yelled at by everybody at these races. I even signed up for a beginner's clinic so I could learn how to remount, dismount, and remount a month before uh, Waterloo. Like I learned a couple weeks how to get on back on the bike. <laughs> before that race um and so and it was the opposite like i i ran into yolanda and she like talked super to me nice. for a while. so nice i 
Ellen Noble. I actually had Super. met her at, 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 at the U.S. Cup mountain bike races when she broke her back. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I actually have a video of her because I, I was trying to get everybody to say Pura Vida. And she humored me with that one. So that was really cool. That's awesome. Um, Lucinda. Lucinda. Was She's just super nice. Oh, so nice. At Iowa City, uh, after the races were done, uh, after her race was done, we were talking and we I went over for a picture. And then 10, 15 minutes went by. She's still talking to me. I'm like, hey, I really appreciate you talking to me, but I know you're super busy. You, you, you. She's like, oh, no, don't worry about it. We can keep talking. And we talked for a really long time. Lars and two Arts are like in the micro in the in the van, like, hey, like <laughs> we're hungry. Come on. Like, okay, well, I guess now I do have to go. That's awesome. <laughs> um Elizabeth in Fayetteville. I saw him coming up on behind me on the climb, and I like basically jumped off my bike to get out of his way. And he was like, Oh no, don't worry. Come on, let's ride. And he rode with me, and then he Got one of his guys to get a picture of us. And, no way. Are you coming to Europe? I hope you can come to Europe. And everybody was like, yeah, please come to Europe. And like, I'm going to do everything I can. Um, and yeah, when I got there, uh, like, so glad you made it. You know, it was, uh, yeah, they, they were just super nice. Um, I wish uh, Cat 5 racing was more welcoming like that. <laughs> uh, it, that that's incredible. That's an incredible piece of the story is their reception yeah. of you like i yeah. think that's heartwarming yeah it was like it was amazing and then in dundermont or sorry ruckfin um my, i rolled my tubular which is, it was so intimidating i mean i my 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 pit my my parking spot was in front of pitcock i showed up with my two bikes and my rental car and parked in front of his two campers, three trucks, five cars, and 30. And right, for one dude. In the pit, I have my one bike, and we're next, and his pit was next to mine. He's got 10 guys, five bikes, 10 wheels, you know? Um, so it was, uh, it was very intimidating. Uh, I rolled my tubular, which was a bummer. I think I could have done much better in that race, that course was, a lot better suited for, for what I can do for my abilities. Um, but when I got pulled out, I was just hanging out. And then this guy came up and was like, yeah, rah, rah. he was speaking, I guess, uh, Dutch. Um, and then he's like, rah, 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 rah. And Felipe Nystrom, Costa Rica. And they put the microphone in my, in my face. And I'm like, oh, yeah, hey, what's up? I had no idea who it was or what it was for. So you, uh, did you just start talking and start what talking. English or Spanish or what? English, English. I just English? He, he switched to English and like uh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. and then I'm like yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, by the time I got to my car, I was starting to get all these friend requests on Facebook and Instagram. And then later, later that evening, Christelle sends me a, a, a message said, uh, "You were on Belgian national TV. Everyone heard your interview. Five million people heard your interview." <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing I didn't know because probably words wouldn't have come out. <laughs> For sure. Uh, so then the next day in Namur, uh, now people had seen there was a cool guy from Costa Rica and he had been interviewed. And so while I was doing recon, the pre-ride, um, I started hearing, oh, Felipe, Filippo, 
Costa Rica or like vamos things like that. I was like, oh, not a bunch of nice people. And then while we were racing, we had an amazing race for for not being last. There was like four of us that we were like killing each. We were attacking each other and like trying to not, not to be last. Like, yeah, it was a race. That 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 was intense. And I think people appreciated because they could tell how much effort we were putting into this. Like that cobbled climb after the the that descent, the cobble, we were like attacking each other, and people were like yeah, getting excited. Um, my shoe had broken, and I didn't I didn't know. So my 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 shoe, my clip kept coming out of my pedal, um, which was a bummer. But everybody was so nice that I had told myself whenever I got pulled. I was going to try to go back, walk around the course and like just thank people because uh, there were certain, especially certain sections where they were extra cheery. Uh -huh. And so, and I also wanted to show people in Costa Rica what the scene was like at Namur, you know, everybody knows Namur. So I started recording and I started walking alongside the course and then somebody recognized me, some kids recognized me and they're like, they ran over and they're like, oh, I got a picture, picture. I'm like, yeah, sure. And then some other people recognized me. And then all of a sudden, all these people were coming over to me. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm trying to thank all of you. Like, uh, and they wanted pictures and autographs. And you know, as I was walking, they, more people started seeing I was there and they started clapping for me. And I'm like, no, no, I'm like trying to thank you people. Uh, and then when I made it to that descent, uh, you know, I was going around like applauding them and like, kind of like thanking them. And uh, and then they started chanting Costa Rica. No way. Like, I don't know if you've seen any of the videos, but uh, maybe, I don't know how well you might be able to, just because this is just, uh, I'll show you real quick one of them. No, that's awesome. I have goosebumps. And that went on for minutes. And then I started crying and then they started doing it even louder. There's videos from all different angles. Like the race was happening. We were on lap seven, eight, and nine. Uh, Toon Arts had just fallen. Um, Van Turnerhart was attacking. I think Pitcock was there. Yeah, Pitcock was there. Right? Yeah, he would, something had happened to Pitcock. The, the race was happening. And they're all like busy watching me. <laughs> it was That's just crazy. An incredible experience. Um, the, the Belgian fans were, were, were amazing. And unfortunately, it was the only race that allowed fans. Well, then I had interviews that week with like Belgian TV. Like they, one, one channel got permission, special permission to ride the course before it was even open on Wednesday. So that we could go get some footage footage of me riding the course while we did the interview. Sportsa got permission to go to the Spenace Training Center. Like a guy from Costa Rica that was living on the streets just a couple years, you know, just a few years ago, is now at like the Spenace Training Center, right? Um, and I knew it was going to be really hard to meet him. Like he probably wasn't going to be there. I went in and changed, and when I come out. Uh, Bart from Sports, he goes, you don't know how lucky you are, but Sven Nace is here. 
you're, and he's you're the gonna nicest get, guy on earth. You, so, um, I went over, he brought me over. He's like, do you know who this is? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so we started talking. He was so nice, super he's nice. So guy. nice. And, uh, uh, I, you know, obviously I wanted a picture. And, uh, so he's like a picture and I'm like, yeah. And we're standing there. And as we're standing there, I'm like, the picture's free, but the autograph is going to cost you. And he just started <laughs> laughing. Um, and we talked a little bit more. And by this time, so many people had started messaging me saying, Hey, next time you're in Europe, let me know. You can stay with me, please. Next time, stay with me, stay with me. The reporter from Belgian national TV was like, uh, just like, please stay with me and my husband. Like you can stay as long as you need. My house is open. My doors are open. And so I started thinking, you know, this is not going to do any good if, if it's, if I do this just for me, this is never about doing it for me. Like, obviously I want for the, all I want is for personal reasons is to see how high of a level I can race at and still be somebody in that race. Right. Right. My real goal, my goal that why I'm doing all of this while I'm almost 40, why I'm almost 40, still tooling around in spandex behind 20 year olds <laughs> that have no fear is to help other people get to where they want to go, whether, like I said, racing or work or relationships, whatever it is. Um, and so I started asking people if they'd be willing to um host if I, I said if i'm able to bring somebody else from costa rica can you host them you know uh and because my idea and i pitched it to, to to sven is if i were able to bring if i found a way to get 10 latin americans black and brown people uh hopefully five five guys five women if i could get 10 people to europe can you host them Right. And Sven was like, you bring them here. They can train here. I'll get my, you know, the trek, the, the lions will give us the cyclocross clinic. We'll teach them how to ride cyclocross for a week or two. And then they can go to some of these races and then go watch World Cup racing. And so um, that's going to be that's going to be the, 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 the main goal, the goal for next season. Uh, wow. I'm already trying to figure out how how to make it happen the biggest the biggest barrier is going to be getting the money for the airfare for, for, for sure. everybody um but once we're there it sounds it sounds seeming like that housing is taken care of meals might be taken care of training is taken care of <laughs> um so along the way you know the ambassadorship of like bringing cyclocross to other countries. Um, Pan American Championships is going to happen in Costa Rica this year. Wow. Uh, Seriously? Yep. yep. November, three, November 3, 4, and 5, or November 4 and 5, I think it is. Costa Rica, Pan American Cyclocross Championships. Nice. Uh, over at Worlds, I ran into Cannondale at the, the packet pickup, and they're like, Costa Rica, huh? Looks like we're going all the way down there to for for Pan Ams. I'm like, yeah, isn't it great? Like the Pan American area region is so much more than Canada and the United States. 
and this is going to open up the door for like some more of these countries to to jump into this amazing sport and you guys and girls are going to be the ones to light that fire the the i started the spark you're gonna like spread the fire and then he just looked at me and i'm like yeah okay fine you're cool but it's still a it's still a big trip for us i'm like <laughs> yeah yeah but it's gonna be great yeah it's a big trip for sure <laughs> um and so the so Pan Ams is going to be down there. And then uh, the goal already is going to be Worlds 2023. I think it's Hooverhagen. Um, but along the way, it's going to be getting these 10 people. I'm going for 10. If I can get five, it'll be a success. Yeah. Um, and then just plant that seed so that hopefully, you know, like I said, it, I, I'm there to finish last. <laughs> last in the races, first in people's hearts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're succeeding right there for sure. Yeah. Why, why be bad in one continent if I can be bad in several, right? <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully, like I said at the beginning, there's a 15, 14, 15, 16, 17 year old watching the possibility this possibility that's being opened up that will actually be good at this and 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 go for it and yeah. and just take the plunge. Yeah. And even more importantly, somebody who needs to even imagine that they have hope mm -hmm. they yep. hear your story and say maybe i can yep yeah and it's always so like what i always tell them is most likely it's not going to work out the way you wanted it to or the way you thought it would all you have to know is that it's going to work out the way it was supposed to when it was supposed to. yeah um and if you can accept that then things will be okay uh but just don't give up right before the miracle happens he is such a great example of never giving up no matter how bad it seems there's hope when you make a decision to do something whether it be to get sober or to be the best cyclist runner architect plumber painter or whatever you want if you decide then there is hope. I really, really appreciate Felipe sharing his story with us. And if you know someone who needs to hear it, please pass this on. And if you need extra help, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255, where you can talk to a skilled, trained counselor at a crisis center in your area anytime 24-7, 365 days a year. Again, if you are outside of the United States, please call your local emergency line immediately. Well, thanks again for listening to Bike Talk with Dave. I'd love to invite you to subscribe, pass this on to your friends, and if you would be so kind as to rate and review, that would be super helpful. I've got a ton of bike talks in the can, and I've got lots of ideas for future shows, so I hope you continue to tune in. And if you have any ideas of someone that you'd like to hear from, message me on Instagram at dmabel122. I hope you have a great week, and thanks again for tuning in to Bike Talk with Dave.